Welcome to season two of the Connect FCS Ed podcast. Each episode is geared towards recruiting, supporting, and retaining past, current, and future professional family and consumer sciences educators. I am your host, Barbara Scully, and I want to boldly celebrate families and careers with you. Hi, and welcome back to the Connect FCS Ed podcast. I'm your host, Barb Scully. Welcome to episode 94, my friends. Wow. Can you believe that we are 94 episodes deep? It's just, it's absolutely incredible. Something that I started off for a master's degree project and have, we've already gone through 94 episodes. We are coming up on that 100th episode and I'm hoping to do something fun, crafty, creative. What? (laughs) I'm still trying to figure that out. But today's episode I'm really excited to have on the show is Todd Christensen. He is also a podcaster. His show is called the Money Fit Podcast or the Money Fit Show. And Todd is a author and education manager, but he's a financial educator, facilitator, lecturer, and speaker. It's pretty, he's a lot of fun. I have collaborated with him on his podcast a few times, and it's been an absolute honor to be able to work side by side with him in the past and to be able to now bring him on to our show to be able to talk about other financial resources that are available. So a little bit about Todd. He is author, podcaster, speaker, accredited financial counselor, certified HUD housing counselor, and education manager at The Money Fit by DRS. Todd Christensen has facilitated thousands of personal finance workshops and one-on-one counseling sessions since 2004, helping consumers of all backgrounds and income levels regain control of their finances, get out of debt, rebuild their credit, and create a brighter financial future. He published Everyday Money for Everyday People in 2014, and it's on the 50 plus on fire in 2021. So it's really exciting to have him come on the show and just share some fun financial resources that are available, not just for adults, but also for our students, because isn't that who we are, we're working with all the time? So in this episode, we talk about what is his mission when it comes to financial literacy. How is the my life, my choices, budgeting activity different? And possibly patterns of student interest in personal finance from the middle school and high school classes. So those are just a couple of different topics that we touch base on and just sharing some personal stories because isn't that what podcasts are all about? They're about creating relationships and stories that could potentially impact somebody else's behaviors. So I'm really excited to have you join the conversation and tune in. Todd, welcome. Oh, it's good to be with you. I appreciate it, Barbara, for having me on today. Absolutely. So, well, let's dive in really quick. What is your podcast about? The Money Fit Show podcast is all about personal finance journeys. So we we interview people who have a story to tell 
whether it's they got in a lot of debt when they were younger or, you know, maybe they maxed out a credit card like I did in 36 hours, or they just dealt with overspending and then how they got out of that or overcame those challenges and uh, some of the, uh, hopefully some of the tools and uh, resources that they used along the way that listeners can, can take advantage of, or maybe find some motivation. And that's really, that's really the kind of the goal is to help people realize, Hey, no matter how bad it gets, somebody's been there, done that. And um, we all pretty much have been there, done that. And you can, you can get through it. Yes. Well, I completely forgot to say happy financial literacy month to you. It is April as tradition is happy financial literacy month back at you. Thank you. Uh, yeah. How something I've uh, I've really enjoyed over the years and been tried to be involved in wherever I can. Yeah. So do you partner with like uh, econ and jumpstart and all of the other you know financial literacy um, mm-hmm. curriculums? I've been involved with jumpstart since almost day one back in 2004 when I started in this uh, industry. I looked up who's involved in personal finance and started attending the uh, Idaho. Idaho Jumpstart Coalition uh, called Idaho Financial Literacy Coalition, which actually developed about the same time, a little independently from Jumpstart, but they do they do uh, are uh, working together and got involved in leadership and have stayed involved with that organization for uh, going on almost two decades now. Oh, that's great! And has it been a very rewarding? Has it been self-fulfilling and rewarding being a part of all of these uh, coalitions and leadership programs? Oh, yes. Of course, yeah. I I have uh, have made friends with uh, in in this industry. You know, you you think quite often think of people in personal finance. Okay, you wouldn't, but many people think of uh, well, personal finance. They're just a bunch of boring old people that you know you don't want to hang out with them. They they don't know what, what's fun or anything. But I found that. Uh, uh, People in personal finance, financial literacy specifically, are very caring and very well versed, well uh, well educated, and involved in the communities and uh, people that I really admire. So not just uh, jumpstart. You know, I've been to some of the um, uh, economic education. Council for Economic Education conferences over the years, and uh, I have my credit. Uh, I'm accredited through the AFCPE. I'm an accredited financial counselor there. Been involved in their leadership and and board also for for about ten years now. And so, what is your mission when it comes <laughs> to financial literacy and the Money Fit podcast and or business all around? Yeah. Well, uh, off the record, my goal is to put my industry out of business, right? Uh, uh, MoneyFit is a, uh, by DRS, a nonprofit credit counseling agency. So we help people get out of debt when they can't do it on their own by negotiating their interest rates um, with their current creditors so they can afford their payments and be out of debt in five years or less. So my goal, and I've said this in classes for decades now, is to try and get to the point where that's not necessary, where people don't get into debt. Now, obviously that's not going to happen in my lifetime. uh, But my goal is to empower people with and to motivate them. I mean, personal finance, it's its a lot of common sense, even though, was it Will Rogers says it's just not so common, right? But it's a lot of common sense. You just be responsible. You pay, you, you, you live below your means. You pay off what, what you owe. You don't get in, you don't overspend, but that's not life. I mean, we, money is such an emotional, emotionally charged idea. You know, we, we, we consider money, we look at money and we think of power and influence. 
we look at it and think of charisma. We also think of it as, you know, some people think that it is inherently bad. Money is inherently bad. Still, you know, I'm actually just working on an article right now um, addressing that the religious context of uh, that money is the root of all evil when it's actually the love of money. You know, you can, it's a tool. Money is a tool. So my, my goal is to help people understand how to use money as a tool to get what they want out of life, to build something positive and not see it as a drag, as something that keeps them down, but as, as something that they can use to lift themselves up. Yes. Well, you just make me think of mine and my husband's personal finance journey. We Mm -hmm. started off, we got married young, about 22, 23, 24, somewhere. He's a little bit older than me. So Mm -hmm. we got married young and then right out the gates, we had our our firstborn, our daughter. Mm -hmm. And, And it was at that point, that pivotal point in our marriage that Brian was, no, we need to get a better handle on our finances. We're going to, we enrolled in the Dave Ramsey financial literacy (laughs) program. And he's not, his voice doesn't resonate so much with me, but it brought so much clarity early on, uh, which it changed the entire trajectory of our personal finance journey. And so with that, we've really had to analyze all of our, our spending habits and because it is behavior habits, um, it's all behavioral and, and it's emotional Mm -hmm. and having to take a really long, hard look at yourself in the mirror. And, and it was at that point that we decided that we were going to be intentional about every single transaction. Yeah. I love that. I love that idea, uh, that, you used the word intentional, you know, the idea of, uh, of mindful living, you know, that's been very popular over the last decade or so of mindful eating, uh, you know, being aware of, of where our food comes from, what, what, you know, would the impact we're having on our uh, local and, and greater environment and so forth. Being a mindful consumer, consuming it's, we have to, we consume that's being a human being. We have to have food. We have to have shelter. We, we consume. But being mindful, being intentional, and and be, because the if you think about it, what's the opposite? It's being mindless, mm-hmm. a mindless consumer, and that that's where we get ourselves into trouble. That's that was me, you know. Confession time when I was in my early twenties. My parents were actually really good with money, and um, and and I, you know, I remember being in Boy Scouts and learning about budgeting. But when I headed off to live on my own in the early to mid eighties, um, that was just at the time when credit cards were getting really popular on campus and giving out t-shirts and ball caps and footballs and nerf stuff. And I fell for it hook, line and sinker. And I was in credit card debt my entire, entire twenties. And I was mindless. I got it. And I just, whatever I wanted to spend that day, I, I bought, and it, it didn't take long for me to be in an overwhelming debt that uh, took me a decade to get out, out of. Yes. Well, and I think there's a lot of people who can resonate with that same exact story. Yeah. So when it comes to life choices, are there, uh, my life choices, are there budgeting activities that you think that is pertinent for high school students to be practicing so that they start developing that mindfulness? Oh, I, I yeah, thank you for asking. There's the, there's there are so many resources out there. Teachers and uh, family consumer science are are probably more aware of them than than most parents are. But yeah, we we developed well actually about 15 years ago. One of my staff members uh, 
and I started developing an, a, a, an activity for, for a nonprofit that worked with teens that had were either expelled or dropped out of school but needed uh, their GEDs and needed some training. And uh, we developed a, an activity in their classroom to help them tie their personal views of money and their personal priorities with the consequences. And it involved um, choosing out of about 30 different possibilities, the ones, uh, a limited number, because life does not give you everything you want. And so they had, we had to limit how many things they got to choose, the consequences of what happened after that, things that we'd, we'd go through. Uh, this, today, this is happening. And if you chose this priority, then this is going to happen. Or if you chose that priority, that's going to happen. And it became very popular. The kids loved it. They're extremely uh, engaged in it. And after about seven or eight years, we finally, I finally said, you know, we need to expand this. And I put it online, put it into a digital format online. It's called My Life, My Choices Student Edition. And it's free 30 to 50 minute uh, activity that any teacher can have their students do during any kind of class period or, or homework. And the feedback is, is very popular. It, it was, it's an award-winning program. We submitted it to AFCPE in 2019 and it won the Outstanding Financial Information Program Award. But the kids, they, they see that, hey, the way I look at money and the way I look at life actually matters. If all I want to do is spend, 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 then at the end of this activity, it shows that they, their, their balance is you know negative 2,000 or negative 3,000 at the end of one month of activity. And it's a fun activity, actually. I, I use these. These are, these are real scenarios that have either happened to me or a family member or a friend. And they just didn't all happen to one person in one month. But that's the scenario. They go through a day-by-day thing for a month. They're living on their own. They have to make their own choices. It's a very social thing too. You, you think, oh, well, they're doing this on their own. But what we saw is they get a certificate and on the certificate tells them what their final balance was. And these teens are sharing that for better or for worse with their friends. And they're having a ball. I said, whoa, you ended up at $1,200 above, uh, above where you started. How did you do that? Or, or even more fun. They said, yeah, well, I, I ended up at minus 2,500. Whoa, dude, what did you do? And it, it sparks these conversations so that they are, they're remembering. It's not just a one off that, oh, we had to do this personal financing. They're having these conversations and they're going to remember those, those feelings and, and the frustrations and the positive things for what I hope are years to come. I love that because in my classroom, when for financial literacy, I hate a quiet classroom. (laughs) When there's a quiet classroom, it does not feel like there's active engagement. Mm -hmm. So in when I say a quiet classroom, yes, there's there's a there's a fine line of of noise that is acceptable. Controlled chaos. Exactly. I'm all about controlled chaos. Uh, My my own personal kids, I call them feral. It's kind of how I see that's how I see my classrooms also they're they're feral and um, I just kind of work with it but yeah when I I love having those active conversations just like what you're mentioning and hearing students talk to one another when students are talking to one another you know you have built a safe environment for them to have those conversations and and break down those barriers so please uh, if you oh. have that resource, please share it with me yeah. so I can, um, I'll, I'll post it to my website and Absolutely. have all the links accessible uh, within the transcription notes. I think that'd be fantastic. Yeah, there's, uh, we did a, we did a second version, won, won the exact same prize uh, award the next year, but it was a version for military 
transition. And we get a lot of actually high school kids. Uh, it's actually meant for people who are, uh, for, for our service members who are getting ready to transition out and they want to see what their budget is going to be like for the first month to two months. But we see a lot of high school kids that are thinking about going into the military to know so they can see what it, life is going to be like at the end of their four year service or 10 years or however long they're in. But yeah, that, you know, pre-COVID, I went in, this was still doing a lot of classroom courses, uh, versions of this. And it was, we'd, we'd have it quiet for why they chose their priorities. I had them asked quiet because I didn't want them influencing each other on their priorities. But after that, that, that interaction you talk about, it's, it's golden. You know, you, you, you leave on a high because you know that there was learning going on. Yes. Have you noticed any like patterns of student interest when it comes to personal finance within the middle school and high school classes over the years, just because you've been doing this for so long? Yeah. yeah and I've been in scores. Uh, I, I could probably say hundreds, but I over a hundred and, and a lot of different classrooms and invariably these kids are engaged. They want, they want information about money. There are a lot of parents, and I don't think as many teachers, but I know there are a lot of parents that, that want to, that want to be like, well, okay. I, and I used one of these books in elementary school for, uh, it's, it's a Bernstein Bears book, Trouble with Money. And the, and the father, uh, Papa Bear doesn't want to bother their kids about learning about money. He says, they'll have to worry about that when they're grownups, but kids want to know about money and they are invariable that will ask more questions than at any adult classes that I'm, that I do. And I've done over 2000 classes in the last 20 years and they want to know, know yeah, they, they want to know about budgeting. They, cause they, they're starting middle school, they're starting to earn money and they have um, consumer tastes that they've developed. So they want to know how they're going to be able to afford to get what they want, but they also want to know how credit card works because they see a mom or dad is using a credit card. And more often than not, they hear mom or dad complaining about credit cards. And so they're totally afraid. Hey, if, if something happened, and I've had this multiple times, if something happened to my parents, how do I pay off their credit card debt? And it's, you know, it's not hard. It's, it, it's heartbreaking, but it's, it's sad to know, to think that these, there's kids going to bed at night, worrying about their parents' finances. So they want to know about credit. They want to know about credit card debt and about how do you buy a home? You know, because they've gone from fourth grade where they think you can buy a home for a hundred dollars to realizing that, wow, homes are expensive. And if I'm ever going to buy a home, how do I do that? They want to know about all this stuff. And they're not in general, they're not getting it in most households. Many parents are doing a great job and some schools, some school districts are including it. Some teachers are putting it in, even if it's not in the standards. Of course, family consumer science, it is part of personal finance. It's just part, one of the focuses there and, and, and how I wish it were a requirement in every classroom around the country, but it's hit and miss, unfortunately. And that's, that's one of the frustrations is kids are not getting, one of the, the trends is it's not changing. Kids are not generally parents are not talking to their kids as much as they should be. No, you're, you're absolutely correct on that because that's the same trend that I'm seeing here in my own classes uh, at the high school level. So we are on spring break as we're recording this right now. Mm -hmm. And right before going into spring break on Friday, I'm in the process of developing like a passport right now, mm -hmm. a passport to independence. Mm -hmm. And, and I pulled that up and I put it on the screen because I had, we had about a good 10, 10 minutes or so of downtime before the bell rang mm -hmm. and we were done. <laughs> I was like, I yeah. am not starting something new on within the last 10 minutes now. So I pulled up the passport and I, and I just started asking questions. I'm like, Hey, do you guys know um, how to pull a credit report on yourselves? 
And they're like, mm-hmm. what? Uh, hey, do you, yeah, what's a credit report? Hey, do you guys know uh, how to calculate interest? Mm-hmm. They're like, wait, what? What, what are you talking about? Right. Um, and, and these are all little things that I have within this passport. And I'm just yeah. kind of randomly popcorning them out. And all of a sudden, I'm seeing a couple of students are like, oh, my gosh, are we going to be learning all these things? It's like, well, I'm going to we're going to touch on a lot of these areas. But unfortunately, I can't I can't talk about everything. So right. it's, and they're like, oh, my gosh, because I need to know this. And just like what you said, they are worried about their own parents. Yeah. Because yeah. I had students say, oh, my gosh, if I know where to pull a credit report, I could help my mom yeah. or I yeah. could help my parents. And in that just and that just triggers an emotional response out of me mm-hmm. going, oh, my gosh, you're a child. You shouldn't be con- be concerned about what your parents are going through. Right. You need to enjoy your youth and your innocence, but our yeah. kids are getting younger and younger and being mm-hmm. exposed to these things where yes, it's trauma. They're trauma induced behaviors that from seeing what, how their parents, the behaviors are. So, right. yeah. So I think it's, it's vital that we're having these conversations in the classroom uh, yeah. because it is going to stimulate and trigger a conversation at home. Yeah. We did some surveys at the end of some of these classes over the years uh, in, in middle and high school. And the questions, some of the questions were how, what, the question that I, I most recall is how often are you having conversations about money with, with your parents or in your home? And it was like maybe one in 10 was having conversation regularly, meaning every month or so. But it was closer to about 75 to 80% said, we're reporting, this, this is self-reporting, that they had never had a conversation about money with their parents, other than to say, for the parent to say, we don't have it, you know, we don't have money. We don't have money for that. Parents will say, uh, you know, study, I, there are studies by credit card companies and banks that will say differently that, that parents will report, well, we, I talk to them once a year about money, about 55, 60% of the time. So what that tells me is that the kids aren't hearing it. You know, if the parents are saying, oh, I'm talking to them every year and the kids are saying, I'm not having a conversation at all. They're, they're zoning out or they don't realize that this is a conversation about money. It, it can't, whether it's finances or you know, human development or whatever, it, these are important topics that we need to, uh, parents need to address regularly and very openly and very specifically. You can't just say, well, you know, be good with your money. That's not a conversation about money. That's you've have, we have to go into the nitty gritty and, and we have to, as parents be willing to acknowledge our mistakes. I mean, my parent, my kids know, in fact, every kid that's ever been in my classes knows that I maxed out that first credit card in 36 hours. And um, that was just one of the things I, I fess up to. But my kids, my own kids know about my mistakes and because I want them to, to avoid them. Well, and that's the same exact thing that um, Brian and I, we like to do. We talk about money very regularly. And um, so we have a child who has needs. She's got, mm-hmm. she's type one diabetic. And so she's got a lot of health needs and she, she has plantar fasciitis. And so it's oh, like, wow. so the poor girl, she got, yeah. she got her dad's feet and she uh-huh. has this dead pancreas uh, <sighs> that does her no good, but she is, she is an expense. She yeah. is heavily 
expensive every single month. And we have to make sure that you know, I, I carry the primary health care insurance for right. our family. And so it's like always, I'm always scrutinizing all of our insurance bills and, mm-hmm. and making sure that like we're getting the best bang for our buck to make sure that her health is always a top priority. Right. And right. within that, she has now developed this fear of asking for things. And oh, really? yeah, so, and that's something that I'm always, she always, it's a, it's a running joke in our family that she's like, yeah, I'm the expensive one. It's like, yes, you are. Yes, you are. But you're, you're worth it. So don't, yeah. don't think that, don't think that way on, on that negative note. You're yeah. absolutely worth it. But she has developed this fear of, because I have to have special shoes or special insoles and mm-hmm. Uh, that are developed for her and oh I have to have all the insulin and all of the supplies that go along with having uh, having type 1 diabetes she doesn't like to ask for other things clothing other clothing or materials uh, things that will make her life easier going Mm -hmm. it's like yeah (laughs) just asking and by no means is this a joke in our family or anything, but she will not ask for like undergarments, new yeah. undergarments. She and she, it's like, honey, I, it looks like you might need a, a new bra or something. And she's like, no, it's okay. And it's like, yeah. no, let's go. <laughs> she's yeah. she is fearful because she knows how we have scrutinized over the years of wants versus needs what takes a priority over others and because of that she's not fear she's not fearful of wants and needs she's yeah. fearful that she knows how expensive she is that she doesn't yeah. want to put anybody else out in the family that might need something so yeah. we're constantly having to reassure her and reassure the family it's like this is a this is a priority and this is yeah. okay for our other daughter you know we we look at her wants and her needs and it's like she yeah. doesn't have the medical expenses that my our other daughter has but so therefore she gets to she gets like an allocated amount on on other things um, yeah, that yeah. is a priority for her. Right. So, but yeah, no, it is a fine balance when yeah. it comes to teaching those wants versus needs, and when yeah. you have a child that has medical issues yeah. um, or chronic. Yeah. So it's never too early right. to teach <laughs> the concept of you know those choices, the scarcities yeah. and trade offs. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I mean, think about that age too. I, I, we have two that are in their 20s now. And and as they get to be 16, 15, 16, and they start going through, you th- think about when they started going through driver's ed, mm-hmm. how hypersensitive they became to everything you're doing as a parent driving. Like all of a sudden, you don't know how to drive, right? Yep. Parents, you, everything, you're doing everything wrong. It's the same thing when they start learning and they start learning about money. They become hypersensitive. I mean, that's just so common. I think what's going on with your daughter, but the more they experience driving, the more comfortable, the more they be comfortable with they are. And they realize, Hey, there's, I can do this. I mom and dad are not going to crash every time they get in the car and they start understanding the rules. Same thing with money. They start understanding, okay, this is how money works. This isn't the end of the road just because I need to. And, and I, we have a son that's somewhat, it's also very hypersensitive to our, to our, our spending. And, but the more they they use it, the less the, the less they concern they are because the more confident in their own shoes. So 
Exactly. I, I appreciate you sharing that. That's not an easy thing to, to share or, or to go through, but I, I, I appreciate that. No, well, it's all about our own personal journeys and everything. And we all have something, something, a unique perspective mm-hmm. um, because it will, it could benefit somebody else. And yeah. isn't that what podcasts are all about? It's about sharing resources and, and sharing stories to where don't do this or do this. <laughs> This is what I did. Don't try it yourself. Don't try yes. it at home. <laughs> exactly. exactly. We should yep. put a warning sign on, on everything <laughs> like that. <laughs> I think I might have to on my, on my podcast. I like that. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's never too early to have these conversations at home. And also for, I think as educators, don't be afraid to, to have these conversations as hard as they are or how uh, difficult or awkward they may be. Mm-hmm. As long as, as an educator provides that safe, yeah. that safe classroom environment where mm-hmm. no ammunition or anything like that could yeah. be used. And, and you also have, you know, you've created a norm within mm-hmm. your classroom to where as students, you don't go about going out of this classroom and taking those stories to that could potentially harm somebody else. Yeah. These so making sure you have you've set those those norms, those yeah. cultural norms for yeah. your classroom is is super important because you know, money, unfortunately, it is emotional and right. it can it can trigger a lot of a lot of memories or mm-hmm. ill feelings. Yes. And, so yeah, you have to always be careful, yeah. tread lightly. Yeah. And I'll throw it out there. You know, we talk about it never too early. I'll, parents and teachers should also know it's never too late. Of course, that's, uh, there's, uh, I've done a number of uh, posts on very successful people who started very late uh, after very, you know, in their, in their forties or fifties or even sixties and struggled financially until they figured out something. And, and then, and so it's never too late. I, one of my, uh, one of our um, older boys, uh, older kids, he went off to college and I still was so worried about him. And we'd had conversations over the years, but he agreed. And he thought, actually, he was very open to us meeting on the phone every Saturday morning, go over his spending and his budget for the week. And it, uh, he, we got, got to the point where he said, okay, I'm, I think I'm good. I mean, he, he was, he's been very open and, and, um, been, been pretty good with his his finances since. Yeah, well, I I love that, and thank you for sharing that because I'm going to be having a child go off to college here <laughs> in a couple of months, and I hope she will be as transparent with us so that we can help direct her. Because both my husband and I are we're fearful for her <laughs> because we're like she doesn't have Parents, the finan- of course you are. I know she doesn't have the financial common sense the way that my second daughter yeah. <laughs> does. She's she's yeah. very where it just is like a head in the clouds. Yeah, but I think uh, most parents find that their, their kid, most kids, adult, young adult children heading off on their own are, are more open than we think they would be to having those types of, because we think, oh, they don't want us in their life and we're not forcing it. But if we're just offering it most of the time, they'll say, yeah, could you please help me figure this out? Yeah, good luck. Oh. That's, that's, that's exciting. <laughs> it is. It is. Well, what community resources have you seen used effectively to teach personal finances? I know you have your own activity, but are there others that yeah. you are able to share with us? Yeah. Yeah. We've, I've, uh, I, I've volunteered for a number of years with the junior achievement. They've got some great programs, personal finance. There was some credit union. Uh, there was a credit union in the Boise area that would host, and it goes by different names, um, different organizations 
have different um, versions, but um, like a reality town program for the day where the, uh, the, all the students come in and they are assigned. It's it's kind of, that's what our My Life, My Choices is, is kind of a mini version of that, that they get to go through all these choices in, in a real quick period of time, but the reality town type um, simulations where they get assigned a, or they get to choose a income and then they have to make choices on family and housing and all this. And those I think are, are memorable experiences that kids will, you know, they're still going to make mistakes, but I think they're going to remember those. And when they, when they do make a mistake, they're like, okay, I, that, that takes me back to that event. When I went, remember going through, and I don't remember exactly, but it, it's the motivation to make the changes to make and, and to make the progress that they, that their teachers and their parents have, have been telling them about all those years. But then there are banks and credit unions that have their own resources and materials. A lot of them have really good free stuff. I, I, there are some that are pay that are there. You have to pay for, but that's just me. I'm, I'm always, I, I love free stuff. Well, as a teacher, we love free stuff. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> As a resource, yeah, check out the Money Fit podcast and all of the other resources. There are tons of financial podcasts mm-hmm. out there, but yeah, find one that fits your voice of something that you're wanting to listen to that will inspire you, motivate you, and give you, I guess, the the advice that you need. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just need that little extra support for somebody else's voice, as you say. I like it. Well, Todd, thank you so much for joining me for this fun conversation. And we'll have all of your resources and your links all posted under the transcription notes here on the website so people can reach out to you. Thank you. Appreciate it, Barbara. It's been been, been a lot of fun. Great. As always, my friends, we're better together. So let's continue leading student success with FCS. Barbara Scully from the Connect FCS Ed podcast presents a fresh take on recruitment and support for today's modern home economics educators in the family and consumer sciences, FCS Classroom, sharing insightful stories, strategies, and resources in a fun and sustainable and practical way. Each episode focuses on a different aspect of modern home economics. From community engagement, leadership, classroom management, to lessons and more, Each episode brings a different perspective, offering expert professional development, interviews from a collaborative worldwide FCS community, with the hope that it will inspire and empower you to make informed decisions. Together, we are better at leading the way to student success with FCS.